It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on the longest day of the year. That's right, it's the summer solstice and all the sensible people have taken themselves off to Stonehenge to welcome in the new era uh, with all the druids and the sunshine uh, and all of the uh, stones down there. We've been constantly trying to find out exactly where those stones came from and we still don't really know. Meanwhile, in the rest of the world, the political world particularly, has gone absolutely stark staring bonkers mad. Mark Field, uh, Foreign Office Minister, may well find himself out of a job later on today. Dawn Butler has called for him to be suspended or sacked because he removed a climate change protester from the Mansion House dinner last night. Now, I'm sorry, but if you are sitting at a dinner table and where you have dignitaries, where you have people who should be protected by big-time security, and somebody comes at you at speed, you have to take them out. I'm sorry, I bear no grudge against the woman in particular, uh, in uh, the woman in question. It so happens that she was a woman. She didn't have to be a woman. People are saying that Mark Field was over heavy-handed with her. Well, he didn't know what she was carrying, and as somebody pointed out earlier to me, it doesn't matter if she wasn't carrying anything. She could have easily picked up a knife. She was sitting at a dinner table, and a knife could have been used to stab the Chancellor. Now, anything's possible. Anything could have happened. And all these sort of Monday morning quarterbacks who were saying, oh, yeah, he didn't need to do that. Oh, he didn't need to grip her by the neck. Oh, he didn't need to push her around. Well, I'm sorry. Yes, he did. If you want to be a protester, I don't care whether you're a member of Greenpeace, a member uh, of Extinction Rebellion, uh, or you want to be uh, some kind of UKIP protester. You can do anything you want to do in this country. It's a democracy. But if you get too close to the seat of power, then you are going to have a problem. And if you do it in America, you're going to get shot dead. 0344 499 1000. Coming up uh, in this hour, we'll take loads more of your calls on that. But we will also be talking about the online porn ban, which isn't going to happen. The government supposedly uh, we're going to introduce a porn ban for anybody under a certain age so they couldn't access certain adult materials on the internet without proving how old they were. It looks as though that has proved impossible for the government to get working. We'll be speaking to Jerry Barnett, uh, former, former pornography business owner, now anti sex censorship campaigner. Uh, we'll find out what he has to say about it. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
great song that is. Any excuse to play that is good for me. Uh, obviously, Con has been removed from responsibilities for the music, otherwise we'd never have had that on. 0344 499 1000. Uh, he'll be on later on, of course, reading for the first time in English the Perrier Awards. We'll see how he gets on, shall we? How about this from uh, Stratford Hammer? From what I saw, he removed her like anyone trained in security would do, such as police, military, or even bouncers at a club. She was moving towards a government minister. If anything, he should be commended. Well, I think a lot of people are saying that. Others are not. Kieran says, on what authority does Mark Field escort her out? Well, let's ask Dr. David Lowe, uh, who's a senior research fellow at Leeds Beckett Law School, former counter-terrorism detective. Uh, Dr. David, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Thanks very much for joining us. What's your view of all of this? Because it's become, like everything seems to become in this country now, a massive um, area for debate. You know, some people saying that Mark Field was heavy-handed, others saying that, you know, who knows what she was going to do. You know, what's, what's your take on it? Well, having seen the clip, uh, I don't think he was heavy-handed, to be fair. No. Um, I mean, it does you know, look a bit uncomfortable because it's a man sort of manhandling a woman, which never looks great. But, I mean, I don't know what else he was supposed to do. That's right. I mean, I, I sort of go back to my police service, Mike, and uh, trust me, women can be just as violent as men, I'm sure. if not more so. Um, you know, and, and it's quite right. I mean, I just heard on the news clip there, you know, Peter Bottomley saying that women do attack people. Yeah. So you, you, you look at that clip, she's heading up towards the top table. You've got the Governor of Bank of England there. You've got, obviously, Philip Hammond, the Chancellor. Uh, you know, senior figures, and, 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 and we've seen this over the last year. I mean, like the Euro elections, things being thrown at candidates. Yeah. Uh, okay, admittedly, uh, milkshake and so on. But, yeah, but you don't know. Worse. Yeah, but you don't know it's a milkshake. I mean, as Nigel Farage said when it happened to him, I mean, he doesn't know what somebody's throwing at him. And, and, and your first yeah. instinct, if, if if you had a gun, might be to pull it out and use it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I always think back to the uh, 2001 general election with John Prescott. Yes. Uh, when he got egged, and then he is an instinctive uh, response yeah. to the uh, person. I mean, which which I everybody he... sort of cheered. It made him more popular than ever. Nobody said then, <laughs> you know, he shouldn't have done it, did they? No, and I think, I think you know, as I said, I look at that clip, he, he, he's got hold of the woman and he's escorted her out. Yeah. Uh, even if you want to have a protest, fair enough, have a protest. If, if they were at the bottom uh, of the room that I've seen and then they said, you know, here's our, here's our view, here's our concern, blah, 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 mm. and then left. Yes. That's fine, that's fine. There, there's, there's your freedom of expression, you've made your point. But to be heading towards the top table, you don't know what this person's got, especially no. this day and age. You know, you, you look at the incidents we, we've had, the terrorist incidents and so on, sharply bladed instruments, a knife, you know, you, you just don't know. And I think he did, in my, it's only my opinion, Mike, but I think he did the right thing. Yeah, but your, opinion's, but your opinion's important, David, because you're a former counter-terrorism detective, and I want to ask you as well, what do you make of the fact that he even had to do it? Because surely to God, we should at this point in time have better protection of our senior cabinet ministers like the Chancellor. Yeah, I mean, I, I was trying to look at the clip, and I'm, I mean, I just made the assumption there must have been some security there. Uh, I mean, it's well, hard I to tell so. because, because, you know, they would mostly blend in. You, you look a lot of the males there with the black ties on. But uh, I'm a bit surprised, really. You, you know, this at the moment, you, you look at the threat level that we're in. You look at how heated arguments are from Brexit to whatever it is and how pe there's been an awful lot of violence, and it, it makes me uncomfortable, Mike, seeing this. I, I think, you know... We live in a democratic society. Let people have their say. That's mm. fine. But let's not go into people's face and be vitriolic. I mean, some of the things we've seen, I mean, it was like that clip when the uh, Trump supporter, when Donald Trump yeah. was here, 
right in, in his face. I mean, there's no need for that. Well, they so, pushed another guy over, didn't they, as well? I mean, he right. was quite elderly. And, and, you know, again, I mean, there was less fuss about that than there is about this. Partly, yeah. I suppose, as well, we live in a society now where everything is recorded. So you do get to look at things, you know, outside of the, the frame of reference, if you like. It's a bit like watching, you know, the uh, the replay of a, of a penalty in football where, <laughs> you know, at the time, if you're the referee, you give it and then you realise the guy dived. You know, by then it's too late. The point is, is now everything is poured over on social media because we get to see it, and I think that doesn't help. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're quite right about the penalty bit being an Everton sport. I know we've uh, suffered <laughs> a little bit from it, you know. Well, you've got a great uh, penalty taken, eh? You just get the goalkeeper to take it all, don't you? That's right. I was absolutely delighted when I saw Jordan Pickford do that. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think uh, with signing Leighton Baines as well, we'll be all right. But let's get back to yes. where Mike, Mike, Mike Field. I looked at I think he's used reasonable force, and that's the key phrase. Have you used reasonable force? Yeah. I don't think he's used excessive force. Quite rightly, he said, investigate me, and I think he'll look at it. And I'll be very surprised, Mike, if they don't say, no, he used reasonable force. You don't know at that particular time. Put yourself in that situation. Here's a woman making a, quite, quite, quite an assertive move. Yeah, and she was moving fast as well. Yes. You know, it, it isn't like a stroll saying, you know, to Philip Hammond, whatever her views are, right. strolling up. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a direct move, and I think it's an instinctive thing. I think he's done the right thing. Yeah. As I said, you know, he, he's used reasonable force. Mm. And uh, I've got a tweet here which will interest you from Eagle, who says the table was full of knives. It's not that relevant that she <laughs> was not carrying a weapon. He sees control and gained compliance. Well done, that man. And that's a good point, because, you know, she may not have needed a knife. She could have just picked one up. That's right. That's right. You know, you've... you've but, you know, let's go back. I mean, no doubt they'll review the security, what happened there, and maybe for future events, like the Mansion House, where you've got high-profile politicians and other figures, you know, they may have to review the security of these things because, it's you know, I'm all for have your say, please have your mm. say, but do it responsibly and then leave. You know, you, but you, this you, is the trouble with them. protests, isn't it? Because you get people who, who you give them an inch, they take a mile. You know, they start yeah. blocking roads, they start lying down, uh, they start threatening to disrupt Heathrow Airport with drones. You know, the less you punish them for doing what they do, the more encouraged they get to do more. That's right. You know, and it's, it's a two-way street at the end of the day. If you want to protest, I, I, I'm with you. I'm quite happy if you want to protest. But if you overstep the mark, you've got to expect to get roughed up every now and again. That's right. You know, if, if, if you know, you, you, we've got to get the balance right, even in a, in a, uh, a protest in a public place. People also have the right to go about their business, yeah. and, it, and it's doing a compromise. You're there, you have your say. I mean, if we have marches, I mean, obviously London's always a, uh, the, the, the uh, place to go for, for marches because you want to protest outside Parliament, etc. That's fine. They're normally arranged with the, with the Commissioner of the Met. Uh, or, or any other city with the chief constable, it's all, all arranged, the numbers, the routes and everything else, and everyone's happy with that. Yeah. And you can have your march, have your process. I'm not saying don't do it, but act responsibly. And this day and age, I think people think, you know, I have a right to go into someone's face and tell them what I think. Well, no, you don't. No. You're in my personal space. Exactly. You know? And, and, and if you want to provoke somebody and provoke somebody, don't be surprised if they get provoked. You know what I mean? That's right, and, and, and respond. Yeah. Uh, but as I said, I, I look at Mark Phil and I've, I've, I've looked at that video a couple of times, and I can't see anything other than reasonable force. I think he act, I, I would have done the same thing, Mike, if I was... Well, there. let's hope that the police uh, do not act as though we sometimes see them act, which is over the top, uh, because it's the police's job, in my view, to stop the protesters from getting that close, rather than to investigate Mark Field and charge him with some kind of criminal offence. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I do agree with you, Mike. You know, it's common sense needs to come in. 
and uh, and hopefully common sense will prevail on this issue. Well, let's hope so. Dr David Lowe, thank you very much indeed. Uh, research fellow at Leeds Beckett Law School, former counter-terrorism detective, who doesn't think that Mark Field was over the top in the way that he reacted, who also thinks that he was entirely justified, and who also, like me, believes that if you want to protest, that does not give you the right to become aggressive, to get up into somebody's face, to get too close to them, uh, where you might risk your own safety because somebody might take you down. And she's lucky, I think, that it was only Mark Field she has to put up with and it wasn't, you know, sort of an elbow in the face from some bouncer or some Secret Service nutter from America because they'll shoot you. They'll shoot you dead. And then they'll ask questions later. 0344 499 1000. This is Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Breaking rocks in a hot sun. Up on the lawn. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number. Kevin says, "Sorry, Mike, but as much as I love the idea of Theresa May going to the palace today to hand back the keys, I'm afraid this is not possible, as the Queen is out enjoying herself at Ascot." Well, she may well be. Uh, it doesn't mean that she can't just leave the keys and leave a note there and say, look, sorry about this, uh, Your Majesty, but I've decided I'm so useless and I'm such a failure uh, that I might as well go now and leave Boris the uh, uh, the latch key. Would you mind passing it on? We're going to talk in a moment to Josie Appleton, who's from the uh, Manifesto Club, because there's a whole bunch of new social um, behaviour orders being handed out, basically, for antisocial behaviour by councils, including one 81-year-old grandmother getting one for wearing a bikini in her own back garden. But before we go there, let's talk to Alan, who's in Birmingham. Hi, Alan. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm, I'm fine, thanks. I'm in the I'm in the garage uh, under my motorbike at the moment. So okay. Happy day. Oh, good. Fantastic. Uh, well, what do you make of this Mark Field scenario? The same as everybody else, really. Well, anyone with any common sense. I think I don't know what sort of eviction et etiquette she was expecting because these people get blown off ribs in the middle of the sea by water cannons. Yes. So, what was she expecting? You know, she could have been a radicalised member of the the bloody Joe Brand all-you-can-eat-for-a-pound militant acid-throwing comedy feminist movement. But, yeah, uh, I didn't realise they had an official club, but it's a good name for it. <laughs> they may do, but if they don't, I was only joking, Joe. Of course, yeah, absolutely right. Well, You'll never get on heresy with, with views like that, though. Absolutely not, no, too, it's too common. Um, no, I, I just agree with everything everyone else has been saying, really. It's yeah. general consensus that, you know, hopefully common sense will rise and uh, may, well, may, you know, may even listen... Well, at least, I mean, the one thing you can say is that he's been suspended rather than fired. So, so that at least suggests that uh, they're not going to do anything really stupid and radical and get rid of the guy. Yeah, but once you do these ridiculous things, it kind of reinforces the, the sort of lefty liberalised sort of lunacy of everything at the moment. So, I mean, what you know, what if a child's been beaten or been dragged yeah. into a car? Should you not intervene just in case you accidentally damage the person's wrist or scratch the car? Well, do you know what's going to happen but, next, yeah. Alan, is you're going to get these uh, maniacs deciding, oh, I know, I'll get a minister fired. And then you sort of go running at them to see whether or not you can get yourself assaulted. And then you get rid what? of another Tory. I mean, this, yeah, this goes back into the Nigel Farage thing, you know. Yeah. Everyone's laughed at him for having a milkshake thrown, which could have been a cup of acid. Yeah, it, it but, could have been, uh, even, yeah, if, even if it was hot coffee, Alan. You know, that can do you an awful yeah. lot of harm. Yes, yes. So it seems to be one rule for the, you know, let's call it the left, and one rule for everybody else, let's call it the Nazis. But uh, I don't uh, know It's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Alan, thanks for your call. Uh, let's talk to Akin, who's in Liverpool. Hello, Akin. Hi. Hi, how are you, you doing? Yeah. Uh, just a couple of points. Yeah. One is, that woman, grabbing that woman by the neck, right, 
if she'd have had anything on her, the first thing you'd have done is grabbed her hands. If she'd have had anything on her at all, grabbing her by her neck would be futile. He'd either be in a hospital or on slab. And the reason I say that is because he didn't go for her hands because he knows it was a woman. He knows she didn't have anything. He just pulled it out of the room. Well, what would you what would you have done? Let her walk past then? No, I wouldn't. That's not the point I'm making, though, isn't it? Well, no, you, got, you can't you can't separate the two, Akin. If you were there, what would you have done if you were him? Well, you're well, you're you're saying she could have had this, she could have had that. Well, if she could have picked case, up a knife. Was... She could have picked up a knife off the table. Well, yes, she could have. Yeah. Yeah. But, There's any but, number but, of but, things, but if you're in a situation which is a heat of the moment situation at the moment when uh, MPs and politicians are very much under threat. Somebody's and people are saying, "Oh, she's only walking. She's walking very quickly and quite deliberately towards the Chancellor of the Exchequer." Okay, this yeah. guy prevents her from getting there, and he may have been clumsy in what he did and how he did it. But I mean, when you're in that moment, you're not thinking really about how you're going to grab the person. You're just going to try and stop them. Well, what you do is, you, if that's the case, you just take a person down. You don't keep them. Well, up what do you think? That, that would have looked worse, wouldn't it? No, 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 it wouldn't. It wouldn't look worse if you take a person down. You take them down with the with the intention of then being able to take them out and everyone's safe. That's the first thing you do. Not not grab them by the neck and lead them out by the neck. That's that's not that's not it's neither safe for you or well, anybody else around. It may you. not be something that he's particularly trained in doing. I think his point was to stop her from getting to where she wanted to go because he didn't think that that was going to be a good idea. Well, I absolutely agree with you. But the point I make is this. He knew she wasn't carried any, carrying any. Well, he didn't know that. He, That's he not, bullied, you can't say he bullied, that. He bullied, he bullied, he bullied her. No, out you can't say that. You cannot say that. And also, by the way, she put herself in that situation. She is a protester. She didn't have to be there. She didn't have to be aggressive. And she didn't have to be marching towards the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Okay. That was her choice. Uh, that, that, that's true. That's true. But still being under licence, I'm, I'm a close protection officer, right? But let me just say this to you. Let me just say this to you. If someone is attacking someone, the first thing you do is you either take them to the ground, as 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 you would, right? No, listen, I don't, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. Look, or they look, or they look for the extremities for carrying something, not to grab them by the neck, which is futile. Yeah. Now, at the point, at the point which he had taken this woman, at that point, he obviously at that point, at some point, leading out, knew she wasn't carrying anything, right? So he didn't need to carry on. Well, here's, here's another scenario for you, I can Surely the point about what happened last night is that if he was able to stop her, but she was able to get as far as she got, surely there should have been security then that would come in and take over. But there didn't appear to be. I 100%, I 100% agree with you. And being at CPO, I say, you know, to protect the principle is your priority. Yeah. And I get that. I get that, right? But what I'm saying is the point I'm making is, which I just want you to try and understand is, at some point, at some point, he knew she wasn't carrying anything, and when he grabbed her, if he, she was carrying anything, then it would have been futile because he'd been... Yeah, but he doesn't know that because he doesn't do what you do for a living, Akin. He's a politician, so at the end of the day, uh, your, your argument is all very well, but he should never have been put in that situation by his own security and by the security around the government, and if that is the state of the security around the government, then God help us. Akin, I've got to run. Thanks very much indeed. We want to talk now to Josie Appleton, uh, who is, of course, director of the Manifesto Club, because... You know, one, one sort of useless set of people in government is one thing. We appear to have a set of very, very hard-line people in local authorities who are now handing out anti-social behaviour orders, like ASBOs, which I thought were a thing of the past, for ridiculously crazy ideas. Like, for example, having a messy garden, uh, owning noisy roosters, or wearing bikinis in their own backyards. Let's talk to Josie now. Josie, hi. Very good uh, morning to you. 
Hi, good morning. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining us. This is a bit weird, isn't it? I mean, who knew that local authorities could suddenly just arbitrarily increase the number of offences that you could be committing without knowing it? Exactly. I think people who receive these orders are really shocked because they don't know, they didn't know it, they existed. Right. Um, been very little publicity about them. Uh, they're basically like an on-the-spot ASBOs. So uh, rather than having to go through a court, as ASBOs did, with you having a right to defence and everything, these are essentially issued by local authority officers right. who can just be like a street warden or something like that. And they just write a letter or they fill in a form, put it through your door, and that's legal order. So is it, like getting, is it like getting a sort of speeding ticket or something? Uh, yeah, except except it's more serious because it will say you have to do this or that thing. Oh, right. So, that, so it can order you to desist from doing something. Yeah, or to do something. Yeah. So they can ask you to um, to cut your grass, for example, um, or they can ask you to not do something. So you shouldn't wear a bikini. You shouldn't look at your neighbour. Um, you shouldn't have a noisy rooster. Um, and basically the test is very low. It's just the council officer has to think that your behaviour is having a direct detrimental mm. effect. On the quality of life but they don't have to actually prove that and you don't really have a right to have a say before they issue it that's so crazy um, isn't it so and there's literally nothing you can do well you can go to court to appeal it but the window is very narrow and um you most people don't have money to pay a lawyer right. and you kind of need a lawyer if you're against the council barrister and you're at the risk of paying their costs um if you lose which you might do just because you don't know how to defend yourself against a barrister yeah, so right. i think basically uh you know, whereas in ASBO you had a right to legal aid to pay your defence, so you right. would have a proper barrister and everything. So I think, it, you know, they're really, really unregulated, and most people, the vast, vast majority of people aren't appealing them. So and once the order has not been appealed, then it's then it's legal, bi legally binding for you, even if it's ridiculous. So literally they could pass an order saying you must not stand on one leg. If you stood on one leg, a magistrate would have to prosecute you and find you guilty for standing on one leg because... Um, because the, the order was stood in a way because it hasn't been yeah, appealed. So. That's amazing, isn't um, it? I mean, because I thought ASBOs had been done away with and this is an ASBO by another name except without any protection for, for the target, if you like. Exactly. I mean, it's like an ASBO but much worse. Um, and uh, I mean, ASBOs have been done away with. They've been replaced with these and with... There's also something called a civil injunction, which is like an ASBO but you have to go through a court. Yeah. But they're, they're, because they're harder to get, councils... Uh, and police actually can issue these as well, um, uh, prefer CPNs because they're so easy. Mm. Um, they can just write a letter and that's it. And if you break it, it's a criminal offence. Um, you can be fined up to two hundred and half grand, £2,500. Right. Um, and you can get a criminal record. Um, uh, and even it can end up in prison if you get the CBO after that criminal behaviour order, you can end up in prison. Yeah. So it can, can get very serious for actually something that isn't... Um, you know, no one would see as, as being particularly... Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's quite, quite remarkable. I mean, uh, under what sort of legislation are they able to do this? Is, was, has some has some part of the law changed which gives them the right to do it? Uh, yeah, it's a law called the Antisocial Behaviour Crime and Policing Act, 2014, mm. which we call the Busy, Busy Bodies Charter. Oh, yes. Um, and this, yeah, CPNs are in there. And also, you know, PSPOs, the power that allows councils to create new criminal offences in the streets so they can ban... In a particular area, they can ban uh, ball games yeah. or wearing hats or whatever it is, um, rough seeping. Um, so it's the same. It's the same law. And essentially, what that law did was it created all these kind of on-the-spot powers for councils and police to just, uh, rather than working through the, the established criminal law and criminal offences, it allows them to invent crimes. Basically, invent crimes for particular people, particular areas. 
um, and then enforce those as if, as if they were real crimes. Yeah, this is unbelievable. I'm finding myself even more depressed than I was when I started doing this show this morning. I thought the world, the world had gone mad enough until I heard about this. What can we do about yeah. it? Is there anything we can do? Well, don't get depressed, get angry. I think... Um, you I'm know, usually I think angry as well as depressed, <laughs> yeah, to be honest. We <laughs> <laughs> go at the same time, right? Okay. Um, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who have received these orders, you know, perfectly law-abiding people. Who, yeah. who are, and basically many of them are getting involved with us and other groups to try and change the, the, the procedures. I mean, basically, ideally, we want this, these scrapped completely. Yes. Um, obviously, it's not ideal time to get anything through Parliament. So, um, but I think at the very least, local authorities uh, should have proper, proper procedures for for introducing them. And so if they're going to be acting like courts, they need to start having some of the discipline of courts mm. rather than just um, writing them well, out. Well, I'm going to start bringing this up with every MP that I get on this show, and there's quite a lot of them. So I'm definitely going to campaign Fantastic. on your behalf if I can. That's good. Um, and, if, and if you hear of any more of these crazy things happening... You know, do get in touch with us because I find this quite quite insulting, really. And, you know, here we are thinking we live in a democracy and we keep talking about how we live in a democracy, but more and more it feels like we're not. Yeah. No, I mean, absolutely. And Because um, somebody, that... presumably somebody like your neighbour who may have an axe to grind against you because they don't like the way that you play music loud at night or something, they can report you to the cops for anything. Yeah, and that's what's happening. I mean, so the Bikini Lady case, yeah. um, it was actually a dispute about... Um, building works that her neighbours were carrying out. And yeah. so they had an argument about building works, which were having a negative effect on her life as it happens. Um, and so the neighbour made all these allegations to, to get her back at her, basically. And yeah. I think that that, in a way, that, that what is what happens now. And it not only is a gross intrusion on liberty, it's also um, it destroys neighbourliness. Because mm. I think that neighbourliness is very important that you actually, you know, you give neighbours a little bit of slack. And, you know, you're a little bit understanding about things that maybe annoy you a little bit, but you want to live next door to each other and you want to, you know, have be amicable, then you just have to kind of Suck choose it up not from to time to time. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Well, that's the thing. It. It's like people that, for me, like people that lived in flats who were complaining about noise. Well, it's like you live in a block of flats. It's going to be noisy. Sometimes you're going to hear your neighbours. That's life, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think obviously there are, there is real antisocial behaviour and that kind of thing. But I think there's no distinction being made between actually just just living around people and the kind of rubbing along that is really important yeah. to being a good um, So I think these all just really destroy neighbourliness. Um, they do. That's what the they do. And, and destroy your faith in the justice system as well. But listen, thank you so much for joining us, Josie. Josie Appleton, director of the Manifesto Club. We've got to fight this. got to do something about this. This is not right. This will not stand, uh, as uh, the big Lebowski would say. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. Uh, loads more coming up. 
The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, it has to be said that there's not many people who like working long hours. And I must say, I don't work anything like as hard as I used to. When I used to work in newspapers, I used to work 12-hour days as a matter of course because there was never any end to it. Basically, you were putting out a paper one day, but you were also putting out a paper for the following day. You were also working on stories that might be a week in advance before they were published, at much less... Um, uh, free time than I have now working on the radio because I have a much more fixed kind of scenario where I work for three hours on the radio and then I'm done. Of course, you have to work about uh, a, a few other things going on as well. But let's talk to Emma Mamo uh, about how damaging this is to the people as a general rule. Emma, very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Hi there. Thanks for the training. I think one of the things that I notice about us as Brits is that we work seemingly longer hours than almost anybody else in Europe. See, people in Europe seem to have a much better handle on sort of um, relaxation and once they leave the office, they leave the office and that's it. Yeah, I would agree. We do have a tendency for long hours, especially in some sectors and industries and the fact that we're operating in a global kind of economy and environment. So that does have an impact. Yes. And I mean, there's a new study out today and I realise that you're more concerned with mental health than you are with physical health. But working a 10 hour day once a week, which isn't a lot, it just seems to me, um, increases a stroke risk by nearly a third. But presumably it's also you know, doing other things to you, um, whether, whether mentally or physically, uh, and your health is going to suffer if you're working too many hours. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's such an interaction between our mental health and our physical health. So, you know, working long hours, having a poor work-life balance will impact on your physical health. But yes, your mental health, we all need that time to recharge and switch off from work. Mm. And do you think companies are getting better at handling that as well? Because, you know, you hear now of more companies who are a little bit more kind of inclusive with their employees. They give them a gym that they can go to. They might have sort of, you know, I don't know, events at the weekends that they can go to, that kind of thing. It's interesting. I've worked in this area since 2010 and there's definitely a movement towards employers understanding they need to invest in and support their staff to stay well and doing lots of things to support that. But I do feel concerned that there is still that in many workplaces an expectation that people put in long hours quite routinely. We all know that you can have a busy period, a key project or deliverable deadlines, but having that expectation of long hours will take its toll. The thing that most people, I suppose, don't take account of as well is the fact that it might be that you're leaving the office after six or seven or eight hours a day, but you might be working three, four, five more hours in the evening. Well, this is the thing with um, smartphones and always on culture just in general and that need for a digital detox as some people call it or switching off so yeah there's an idea there is a concern that people's working day is blurring because of that those technical innovations which are offering flexibility and choice and people can work in a way that they want to but there does need to be a clear separation between home and work and that's set time to um wind down really yeah because i think in france they did they not make it illegal for yes. you to have to receive emails or read emails outside of office hours yep in in um um, across Europe, there are a few countries that have instigated things and, and are finding companies that break that. Other places will just absolutely shut down their, you know, at a company-wide level, they will just shut email systems down. Right. Yeah, but, I mean, I can't see that ever happening here. Can you? Um, who knows what the future will look like? Um, I mean, I feel that some organisations are waking up to this and may put things in individually across their organisation. Mm. In terms of government policy, you know, 
two years ago, the government um, commissioned our chief exec, Paul Farmer, to do a review of mental health and employment. And a big part of it was looking at the features of good work. So right. what keeps people well? And we know from when we survey people in the workplace two years ago, um, we surveyed around 44,000 people and manageable workload and being able to be present in the moment and not feeling rushed and that pace of work are massive drivers of mental health both in terms mm. of if they're managed well they'll keep people well if you've got a manageable workload but if you haven't that will be a key driver for poor mental health so there are changes afoot yes and funnily enough maybe not soon enough because we're seeing another study today that says that um, one in ten people admitted eating the same meal for lunch every day um but also only spending about 16 minutes doing so so that instead of actually having like a lunch hour and I know that might sound a bit old-fashioned in this day and age, but 16 minutes of a break is not very long, is it? Absolutely. Um, I would say at least people should get half an hour and absolutely get away from their desk. Yeah. This idea of dining at Desco, get away from your workstation, get outside if you can, go for a walk or just join colleagues and have a proper lunch and, and have a chat about things and not focus on work. I know mm. when I'm feeling the pressure at work, you can feel that need, oh, I need to just finish this. But actually, it will be far more beneficial to take that time away from your uh, workstation, your desk, and then come back a bit more refreshed. Yeah. And equally taking breaks during the day we're becoming very sedentary, especially for people working in offices and you see standing desks now and people should be taking regular breaks away from their computer screen, away from their desk just more generally. Yeah, and what about the sort of the, the nature of work in the sense of, um, you know, whether you're with other people, whether you're kind of isolated in a booth of some kind, do you have any, any sort of pointers on that as to what's the best way of, way of working, if you like? I think there's... I think it's about choice. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of organisations now look at, especially office based, looking at um, ways of zoning their areas. So there's quiet space, there's projects, areas where people can collaborate and, and talk and work together. And then there's, um, you know, um, kind of working on your own in different areas. And I think giving people choice and how you want to work and what works best for you is really helpful. We know a lot of people are also working remotely now and this idea of agile working get your work done any way you can, any time yes. you can. And these absolutely offer flexibility and choice to people, but they need to be managed effectively. And any um, um, negative um, you know, consequences of working yeah. in that way, i.e. isolation... Because a lot of people don't be... like being on their own, do they? They like to be going somewhere where it feels like they've gone to an office rather than, especially if they're working from home, they don't like to feel that they're sort of working in a place which isn't otherwise an office. Some people do struggle with that, absolutely. And I think it's very different to people who've been working at an organisation for quite some time to then say, I'd like to go agile now or I'd like to work from home a bit more to someone coming into a role and working from home potentially from the start and how would you then feel part of that organisation and I think there's absolutely things that can be put in place to offset that and making sure you know the technology and innovations we've seen around Skype and you know that kind of ways of working and trying to offset that feeling of isolation or not being part of a team can be managed. Okay. Well, it's all very interesting stuff. We'll talk to you again, I'm sure. Emma Maymo, Head of Workplace Wellbeing at Mind, the mental health charity. So uh, if you listen to this show, comes up to lunchtime. Uh, don't just take 16 minutes. Uh, keep listening to the radio, but go for a walk. Just put the headphones in uh, and you'll be able to hear not only me, but also Matthew Wright coming up as well. 0344 499 1000. Loads of you still want to talk about Mark Field, who's been suspended from the government uh, because of his manhandling, supposedly, of a climate change protester last night. Uh, we still want to take your views on that. And much more besides. This is Talk Radio. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Let's go uh, to the phones. Richard uh, is in Grantham. Hello, Richard. Hello, Mike. How are you doing? For, uh, thanks for allowing me. I'm, I'm doing OK. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. What do you want to tell me? 
Well, um, the, the Mark Field debate that's going on yes. at the moment, um, I, I think the uh, Mark Field, uh, what he needs to apologise for is to apologise that he was put in that situation in the first place. Yes. Now, um, I, I head up security um, at, a, at, a, at a very big hotel chain. Okay. Um, and we, we've hosted events like this. We've hosted ministers, prime ministers. We've hosted all sorts of dignitaries and, and what have you. Mm. And the preparation beforehand, I mean, it's, it's almost like preparing for the D-Day landing. Yeah, right. They, they, they go through fine-tooth detail what's, uh, who's going to do what and where. And I didn't see anybody there that would that would come close to matching the sort of preparations that I've been embedded in when one of our hotels has been a venue. Sure. These types of these types. Well, of I find it extraordinary that given that we're always being told that the terror threat is at the minimum high, that there isn't a massive uh, amount of security around any event that cabinet ministers are attending. It is. Well, from what I can see, I mean, the, the incident in, in question, I mean, I, I think he did use reasonable force, first yeah. of all, because what, what we saw was the protesters at the back, and I, and I, I do believe Greenpeace are sincere, you know, that they are peaceful protesters, and that was a peaceful, if, if not uh, loud, protest. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, for whatever reason, that, that may have been allowed by the security operation sure. you know, to, to allow them to protest. But what we saw was one of the protesters break away um, and move at pace towards the Chancellor of the Exchequer and the Governor of Bank yeah. of England. And my question is, what would you do? You know? Yeah, exactly. I know, well, that was what um, I asked that guy. The guy who called in earlier from Liverpool, um, Akin, I think his name was, he said that you would have, he should have taken her to the ground. But if he'd done that, then that would have been even worse, wouldn't it? Well, no, actually, that, that actually would be the wrong thing to do. Uh, right. What Mark what Field actually did was effectively a citizen's arrest. Yeah. Um, and, and, yes, he... he Use the force necessary to, to remove her, considering that she was moving at pace. She was putting some energy into yes. her approach towards Oh, yeah. I mean, she was not slowly ambling towards him. I mean, she was walking very deliberately and very quickly. Precisely. And, and I think, again, just, just going back to security operations, I think the, of course, the Metropolitan Police would be involved, as, as, as I've been involved with them, all over the country, right. not just in London, um, with counter-terrorism and all the rest of it, because the security level isn't severe. It's yeah. not, um, it's, it, it is still the second highest level that we're at. It's just, we could become very complacent to it because it's been there so long. Mm. Um, but also, the day-to-day -day policing here is quite fragmented because it was at the Mansion House. It's the City of London Police that will be doing the day-to-day -day policing. Yes. And now I'm speculating here, of course, but I, but I think there may have been some kind of uh, confusion, maybe, over who was going to police which aspects of the event. Right. Um, so the Metropolitan Police may have believed that the City of London Police will be doing one part and vice versa. So That's a bit worrying, I, isn't it? I, That's true. I think it is, it is, again, pure speculation from what I've seen on the video, but I, I suspect there was some kind of confusion in the security preparations between the two separate police forces. Right. And what do you uh, make it? I mean, I think it's all a bit just craven, this kind of political point scoring that everybody does now when anything happens. Um, and predictably, people like Owen Jones on the left, who wants women to be treated the same as men, uh, is trying to start a petition to get this guy sacked because he attacked a woman. Why is it different? I mean, you know, it wouldn't be any different. If, if he had done it to a man, presumably there'd have been no big deal. Well, it, I, I, I look at it another way. If, if this was a meeting of the local uh, horticultural society and a similar protest was being made, mm. we would be hearing this sort of hullabaloo. No. Um, the, the, the splits have been, the, the splits in opinion have been very partisan. Yes. Um, I think the, uh, the, the non-political views are all saying, no, this is a guy that was protecting not just the Chancellor of the Exchequer of the United Kingdom, but also probably a personal friend yeah. as well. 
um, and he didn't want to see that person getting roughed up. And and who knows what she had in her hand? She may have been um, in there in the auspices of Greenpeace, but could have been. Yeah, I mean, all these a, people a, who are on Twitter person. saying, "Oh, yeah, you can't tell the difference between a terrorist and a woman in a red dress." Well, hello, terrorists can turn up as a woman in a red dress. You know, that's the point. But Richard, thanks for your call. Let's go to Rob in London. Hi, Rob. Uh, good afternoon. Hi. What do you want to say? Uh, yeah, I work for um, an ambulance service. I live in London, but I don't work for the London Ambulance Service. Okay. Um, um, one of the things um, um, that I've been listening to today is, is when we talk about lunch breaks and long working hours, mm. we tend to really only talk about the corporate world. Yes. Um, before I worked um, for the emergency services, which was some years ago, um, I, I, I did work in the city. Um, and the lunch breaks were really up to you. You could take 15 minutes if you wanted, or you could take an hour as long as your work was finished by the end of the day. Right, OK. If you wanted to get promoted, you would work harder, you would probably have less breaks. Yes. Um, uh, See, that's an, interesting kind, that's an interesting kind of pressure, isn't it? If, you, if, if it's it, up it, to it you, almost it's, it's, it's almost more pressure, if you like, because, because they can look at you and say, look at this guy, he takes an hour every day, he's not interested. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think um, that pressure, um, and I will go on to the NHS in a second, but mm. that pressure in the corporate world um, also prevents you from taking holidays because you're worried about being stabbed in the back by uh, maybe dishonourable colleagues yeah. who blame on everything on you. So it, 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 it's sort of a, a never-ending will. Mm. Um, but quite often there is a financial reward at the end and there is promotion. And, and as, as we all know, the higher you get, the more opportunities you have for better quality sure. of life. And then sometimes, though, that can mean that you have a better quality of life in terms of your financial situation, but you can't actually take any holidays then either because you can't be spared or something, you know? Well, there you go. I mean, that's how I ended up in the emergency services, exactly. I was right. a business consultant, and um, my partner and I decided to move to Devon and, and live, the, live the life of Riley. And, um, and, has, and, it, and just, has it turned out that way? No, no, it hasn't. And, and this <laughs> is probably the main aspect, and sorry for procrastinating a bit there, but... No. Um, so I started working in the Coast Guard um, in Devon um, as a cliff rescue officer, okay. um, which was completely new to me. Um, but a very good, strong team environment. Um, you did everything together. We weren't that busy, to be fair. Um, so you didn't really consider breaks and those kind of things. Right. And I relocated back to London um, and I uh, joined the ambulance service. And um, they lie to you um, about what the job is like. Um, I started at the bottom as an emergency care assistant and worked my, my way up um, over the last six years. Um, now, what people don't realise is that um, working time directives don't really cover the emergency services. So, for instance, on a 12-hour shift, we're allowed a 45-minute break in 12 hours. Right, which is nothing, is it, really? Well, it's worse than that, because the 15 minutes of the 45 minutes is disturbable. Right. And as we all know on the press, we're busy. So I don't believe I've had a full 45-minute break in 12 hours for months. Really? Um, so really, it's 30 minutes in 12 hours. Right. And what we don't realise with the ambulance services... And it's pretty, and it's pretty flat-out working as well, isn't it? Well, this is the point, and I think this is... Um, I would like to see more research into this. Now, I'm currently off. Um, I will be returning back to work in, in a couple of weeks, um, but I'm off uh, for... Uh, treatment for PTSD um, and what is becoming a more common term of, of burnout. And the reason um, this has happened is because you're financially incentivized to do overtime. Right. So over the Christmas period, over um, from November to March and actually extended um, into end of April, 
you're given a financial reward for every overtime shift you do. Mm. However, if you call in sick once during that period, you will lose every bit of incentive you've earned from November to March. Really? So I became very... And is that stressed. because it's not the London Ambulance Service? Because it's, is it a private ambulance service or something? No, no, it's a frontline NHS service. OK. Um, and I, the reason I'm saying not London, it's not London, um, but, but they have different procedures. So I don't want people to assume I'm talking about London because I'm not. I'm no, sure. I have my colleagues sort of saying, well, that's not true. OK. But um, I work for an ambulance service which is currently failing um, and is going through a big turnaround project currently. Um, now, the effect on that, and I'm not the only one, um, if you can imagine, we don't earn much anyway. Um, I think my basic salary is £24,000, no, £23,000 a year. Um, and I'm a senior EMT. Um, we get 25% on social hours on top of that, but that's not contractual, so that can always be removed. So we all tend to rely on overtime to live a life. Mm. Unfortunately, we do that and we substitute our work-life balance. So things become difficult at home, we become ill, um, we become stressed at work. Um, it, we, we do go to some difficult jobs. It's the nature of what we do. However, um, there's no recovery time and there's no support from the ambulance service mm. until you make a mistake. And then you make a mistake and they then will suspend you and then, then they'll realise it's because of mental health problems right. or, or something else. Yeah, I mean, so, they just can't expect people to work in those conditions and they shouldn't, they shouldn't expect you to. No, no, I, I, I agree. I'm, 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 and I know many of us, we're hemorrhaging staff. Um, I know for a fact my station has lost 20 paramedics in the last what, three months Yeah. because they're realising they can work elsewhere in the NHS. A lot of working in hospitals because, yes, you still don't get the breaks, but you're in quite a sterile environment and you've got a lot of colleagues around you supporting you. But if you're a frontline RRV driver, you're on your own all day long making life or death decisions and you may have already done 60 hours overtime that month. So, and that isn't, so I'm not, I'm talking about something that's common. Yes. This isn't, uh, this isn't just me talking. This is, no. This is no, well, listen, I, I think what you're doing is remarkable and, and I, I wish I could give you an answer as to what you should do next. But, you know, maybe go and talk to them if you can, if you haven't done that already, Rob, and just say, look, this is how I'm feeling and this is what I think you should be doing and what I should be doing and see where you go from there. But fascinating call and, you know, let's talk again. Rob in London there telling us how difficult it is sometimes, particularly in emergency services, and we had also that tweet earlier from someone in the NHS. You know, it's all about, the, you know, the amount of time they expect you to work for rather than what you're actually doing and what you're supposedly contracted to do. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. It's Friday, it's 12.35, and it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Is that a new voice saying that? No. Are you sure? Yes. Sounds different. Nice. Ben Fletcher from The Sport. Is it? Yes. Okay. Do you want to go? Should we start? Would you like me to introduce it? Yeah, probably, okay. yeah. Welcome to the Perrier Awards with Con Mendez, a man who's still in, in training on the radio. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Have you written them out? 
Yeah, yeah, I've, have re- you I've read typed them, them out, have you typed them? Yeah, well done. yeah, they've given me a computer this Very week. Very good. I'm hoping uh, I'm going to win a lot of them, of course, as usual. Well, here, let's find out. Yeah, let's... Uh, this is the Perry Awards, of course, where we go back over the past week of the so-called Independent Republic of Mike Graham so and cool. choose our favourite moments. And what a week it has been, Mike. It's been a great week. You made your debut on Good Morning Britain. I did. You fell out with another MP. That's true. And more than once, you slagged me off uh, for my music choices. Very deserved I carefully that, yes. curate for the show. Yes, uh, uh, but enough of that. Let's begin. Uh, mm. As is tradition, you win the first gong. Thank it's goodness. the Perrier for Insult of the Week for this singer. We were supposed to be speaking to Mick Tosh, uh, who's a Wessex regional organiser uh, of South Western uh, Railways RMT Union, uh, but he's not picking up his phone at the moment, so I can only assume uh, that because he was so rude uh, to our producers this morning uh, that he's decided he doesn't want to talk to me either. Uh, you know, never darken our door again, Mr Tosh. Tosh by name. <laughs> what can you say? You can't say Tosh by nature because that would be insulting, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, of course. Luckily, so we, I didn't say no, that. very good. Uh, one from today now. Oh. Very quick turnaround. Wow. Uh, Impressive. And, and to, for a, a first, to present the award for Name of the Week, we hand over to our inter- intrepid newsreader. <laughs> I knew when I wrote that How word down... How awful is this? I was going to get it wrong. Our intrepid newsreader, Rachel Jewell. Just one pint of beer or one glass of wine is enough to significantly compromise being in control of our actions. Professor Aldo Badarini is behind the study. Bada bing! <laughs> was all I could think of. Oh, very good. Oh, uh, Rachel. Still, pre- yeah. you understand how that can happen, though. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's not easy to read words. No. Uh, I briefly touched on it earlier, but let's use this poor excuse of a, fe- of a feature to um, enjoy you going nose-to-nose with Tobias Elwood, MP, as you both win Clash of the Week. Really? That is what will actually happen. Why don't you tell okay. me, Tobias, instead of the arguing European about the same... This is why the your party is going down the toilet, the Tobias. This is why your party is not being voted for, because all you do is talk in in, in circles and ever-decreasing circles about what a terrible thing it will be if we leave the European Union. The people voted to leave. So just get on with it. Wrong, 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 Can I just remind everybody that he was not supporting the winning candidate in the Tory leadership contest, and therefore uh, his leadership and quality seems to be in question. (laughs) Perhaps. Yes. Uh, Let's go to a caller now, Pat in Stepney. Uh, Two for him this week. First of all, he wins Shock of the Week after ringing Talk Radio and asking to speak to Mike, being rung back and uh, asking if he wants to speak to Mike. He seemed to be shocked when he was speaking to Mike. <laughs> uh, let's talk to Pat, who's in Stepney. Hello, Pat. Oh, good, uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning. <laughs> Caught him by surprise. He was, but a bit surprised, yes. Um, he also wins Unnecessary Greeting of the Week. Uh, rather, at the start of his call doing this, he decided to go for it halfway through. The flip side is the mainstream media no longer presents a balanced view. So where do you get that? The answer to that question, of course, is here on the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Mike... (laughs) Hello? Yes. (laughs) He was completely not listening to me there. You know when somebody just bypasses whatever you said altogether? Uh... Shocking. Um, now over to Dominic Raab. Uh, not been a great week for him, no. but I'm sure he'll be cheered up by winning a perrier. Uh, he appeared on The Breakfast Show and he won himself Analysis of the Week. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Well, you uh, left the race on Tuesday. Um, what went wrong? I didn't get enough food. <laughs> Absolutely right. Yeah, he's not wrong about that. Yeah, uh, very good. Uh, so we've still got loads for you, Mike, so good. I'm going to rattle a few off. Go on. Uh, smartiest comment of the week? Your lungs start doing a sort of reflex action 
where they're not breathing properly, but they do these things called agonal gasps. Okay. Um, and they're sort of, if I try and do it, but it's sort of a, uh, it used to be called a sort of death rattle. Oy. You will have seen it on telly. That's you wouldn't the, want them to, to sort of misconstrue uh, a sound that you were making, would you? And then suddenly the no, ambulance turns up. <laughs> I don't think that's smutty. It's oh, quite sensible. Smutty. Mind out the gutter. Sure. Uh, the confidence award. There's no way of knowing who that person is. And if they just keep going, you're never going to catch them. There is a... Yeah, truth in what you say. Um... Absolutely there is. <laughs> there is truth Backing in what you say. There, yeah. yes. uh, idea of the week. Mm. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Matthew Wright's coming up at one o'clock, of course. We've got Prime Minister's questions coming up at 12. Uh, but it's Prime Minister in name only, isn't it? It's Theresa May, who's not really the Prime Minister anymore. So they should call it not really the Prime Minister's question time uh, or not really the Prime Minister's questions or something like that. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, you should work in branding. I uh, should, yeah. It's a bit long. Uh, and finally, uh, you always have to throw forward to what's coming up mm. on the show. This is the sell of the week. Uh, Prime Minister's questions coming up at midday, uh, but we're not going to bother bringing it to you because we don't think it's very interesting. <laughs> this is talk radio. <laughs> People were applauding me for that. And in fact, as it turned out, it wasn't very interesting. No, no one went for it. No. Very good. Nothing came out of it either. No, <laughs> that's true. Uh, the Brexit party now... I thought uh, that was the end. No, no, more, more, more. Okay. Uh, the Brexit party now... Uh, uh, Christina Jordan, EM, MEP, uh, wins the best memory uh, for just about remembering your name. Christina, very good morning to you. Good morning. Thank, uh, you, thank you very Mike. much for joining us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than when you put up on the screen that her name is actually Christian. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> did I do that? Yes, you did, yeah. Are we sure? Yes, we're very sure. Very good. Because I'm pretty sure I called her that before I recognised her, uh, Christina, on the other, on the other oh, screen. Oh, dear, never mind. Yeah, go on, um, get on with it. Ross Kempsell now wins commentary of the week. Whilst waiting for the ballot, basically having to fill yesterday, we got this golden nugget of information. Mark Francois just came out and pretended that he was taking something out of his pocket. I assume that's some kind of uh, political joke. Yeah, that's an attempt at banter from Mark Francois. And, uh, <laughs> it's never a good idea, is it? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know whether he's renowned for his uh, humour. No, I don't think he is. <laughs> he's, he's a good laugh in the pub, Ross. He is, if, absolutely. if you make a joke, he'll just go, that was an attempt at banter. <laughs> Don't be too hard on him. <laughs> no, he works no. very long hours. Yes, of course. Yeah. And finally, yes. Vanessa Lloyd Platt, the divorce lawyer and friend of the show, wins karaoke singer of the week. She then declared that she was going to give all the money away. I suppose once you've given it, there's not much you can do about that, is there? There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, I suppose if she gave it away the very next day... <laughs> the very next day... She gave it away. <laughs> That's great. That is uh, very good. Well done. It was worth it just to get to that get point to the at end. the end. Yeah, yeah. All the mistakes and the rubbish that you did before that. <laughs> Uh, I should now forgive you for Yeah, maybe we should pre-record this bit. Uh, that's it for the Perrier Awards. There'll be more next week. Can't wait. <laughs> the Perrier Awards on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.